Hey guys, welcome to Take Two, the Project Esports podcast. As tradition, we have been having a ton of technical issues, but we are good to go this time, I promise. It is Take Two because we did the opening introduction, but you guys didn't hear a single word of it, so now we're going again. And as always, my name is Andrew Nimsgren, your co-host for the Project Esports podcast, your go-to place for all the esports news, interviews, content, and more, and the master of technical issues. Alongside back, after a while, is the hypest man of Pennsylvania, Dylan Beal, back from Japan having an awesome trip. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit in the post-show. And the Canadian from way up north, we have James Graham, rocking the... What hat do you have on today? I have the Good Robot Brewing Company hat today. Ooh. That's, that's what that I'm doing. Is that a new one? It, it's, uh, it's a couple weeks old, and I'm supporting the local boys now. I've uh, moved go. on from franchise sports to uh, supporting local. But going the going the hipster route. I love it, and I love it. And we have all three back with us for the first time forever, and hopefully it's all three of us for a while after this now. But without further ado, no more housekeeping or anything like that. Let's get into the news, and we're going to lead it off with the man we've been waiting to hear talk for such a long time now, Dylan Beal. Yeah. Uh, so we have some StarCraft news, which is not something you usually hear about, um, but it's all about this guy named Rainer. Uh, so he's a 16-year-old Zerg player. And he is Italian, so like all, all of those things are kind of a big deal. Um, and the biggest deal with them all is that he made it into GSL, um, which is super, super big because GSL one is like the uh, like the like like the pinnacle of StarCraft, right? So it's a league run by I think it's still run by Gom TV, um, and typically it's all the the best players um, fighting in a league, and usually. Um, GSL is basically all Koreans. Now, there have been a few in the past, and I know recently Scarlet made it in, um, and I think Neeb made it in. Um, so there are some foreigners poking in, and they're starting to catch up. But this, this for a long time has been like a Kore- Korean-only thing because it's been really the best of the best. Um, and yeah, he made it in, so it's a big deal because one, he's a foreigner because he's Italian. Two, when he made it in, he was 15 years old, and he made round of 16 at age... He, yeah, he made round of 16 at age 16. So he, like, had a birthday in between there. Um, and he's really good. And he beat... Um, you see here? He beat Classic and Ryung, which are two god players. Like, Classic is a very, very, very good player. Like, if you said Classic won this entire tournament, that wouldn't be weird at all. Like, he's a very, very good player. And to top it all off, I just actually found out that he reached uh, Grandmaster when he was 12 years old. Um, <laughs> That's and, disgusting. And that means he is the youngest player to do so in StarCraft 2. Holy shit, man. What a monster. Yeah, he's been playing um, pretty competitively since 2014. I'm just, like, scrolling through some of his accolades. And I know he played in DreamHack. And he won a few Italian tournaments, and he was actually on My Insanity, which is like, that's like a deep cut team from back in the day. Um, I didn't even know he was on that team. Um, but yeah, he played a bunch of Italian tournaments, and then in like 2016, he was just like, yeah, I want to take this seriously and like really start winning some games. And he started doing super well. 2017, he started like really leveling up, getting really, really good, starting to beat some like real, real good names. And then 2017 and 2018 is when just popping off. He just completely popped off. Um, this kid definitely reminds me a lot of life, um, just because of how young he was. Um, and you know, it's third player. I see my, my personal take on this is that, um, Zerg players are very reactionary, they're very like play on the fly kind of deal. So I think younger players could be kind of good at them because it's like they're feeling the game rather than like being like, like he's mechanically very good. Don't get me wrong, but the type of mechanics aren't like uh, Terran. If you're playing right. Terran, it's like very rigid mechanics. You're just doing the same thing over and over and over, and you're just like blowing people out that way. With with Zerg, it definitely feels like a very fluid type of race, and you're very reactionary, and like you're running on a lot of intuition. And I feel like. This kid basically grew up in this game. And so, like, he's, like, hacked into the Matrix at this point. I think that's what kind of, like, makes him really good. 
<laughs> and well, it seems like, yeah, like, with that analogy, it's more about, like, a Zerg is more about, like, being adaptive more than anything, which is kind of funny that, like, it kind of, like, the Zerg place, like, the Zerg, the Zerg like, um, like, um, like, race fantasy is all about adaptivity yeah, or like yeah. being adaptive right but the play style is the exact same way so and yeah that probably is like you don't have like set executed plays that you need to try and pan out like you do with Taren and protoss right like zerg like you said is very very on the fly um i find it funny that this dude's name is Raynor, despite the fact he uh plays zerg yeah <laughs> kind of bizarre oh, that reference that goes over my head if that's a reference jim jim Raynor is like uh like 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 the Terran hero pretty oh. much he spells it differently though he spells it with an e instead of an a yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, with this kid, though, do we think that we're gonna start seeing a bit of a spike in, uh, in like younger, younger players, though? Do, I like you know, that this... was my exact question. I love it. No, I, I really don't yeah, think, I think so. He's, he's like this, a one-off kind of deal. I think he's a one-off because this happens occasionally. Like, like I said before, with life. Life. He, yeah. he was, he was someone like that, and it wasn't um, a far stretch to get young Koreans because, um, because Starcraft was so big back in the day. There was a lot of teams um, during Brood War that had, like, really, really young teams. I know um, I had a friend in college. He, he came over from, from South Korea to study, and he was, like, on – I forget. It was, like, uh, the Jin Air or something like that. He was, like, on their, like, kid team, and it was, like, a small, like, little camp that they had where they were, like – like, they had a team of, like, uh, really, really young players, and they were trying to build them up eventually for the team and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, building players up from that young has, is definitely not nothing, anything new. I think this is definitely a one-off one because he's an Italian player, which no one in Italy plays StarCraft. Yeah, I was going to say, um, it's such a, like, I mean, like, for, like, prevalent esports in Italy that I know of, it's, like, Warcraft and, um, like, League, I think, are the two bigger ones. And as well as FIFA. I think FIFA's up there as well for with Spanish players or uh, Italian players. Yeah, and so this is definitely not a normal thing. I think it, it's it's pretty pretty one-off. Like, I know uh, it's the same thing with Major. Major was a really good Terran player from Mexico. Mm -hmm. it, that's not typically an area where you find really good StarCraft players. Usually these are just, like, one-off. People get really good, and they're, they're kind of unique in that way. Um, so I think we're kind of going to see the same thing, like, Obviously, there's like enough StarCraft players to field like tournaments and stuff in Italy because he played in a bunch of those. But yeah, I just don't. Uh, I, I just don't see this happening very often. Um, and especially with StarCraft kind of on the decline, I don't really see a big, you know, like resurgence or a big interest in younger players. Where do you think like has there been a game that's been pretty consistent of where like StarCraft pros are trying to go over to for a different esport? Or is there really no kind of crossover between that? Like, um, StarCraft is kind of done. Basically, uh, they're going to go into high-level uh, esports business. <laughs> like, if you look, if you, no, seriously, if you look at all the Overwatch League teams, like a ton of them, like at the super high levels that you don't hear about, are just like StarCraft pros that were really good. Yeah. Yeah, like there's no like there's no direct transition from like okay, I'm gonna go from X shooter to Y shooter. There's no it's not X RTS to Y RTS. It's yeah. your StarCraft or your well, you're there nothing. are no other RTSs anyways. I'm like I mean like um, God. Um, actually, there was a few people who went back to Warcraft three. Yeah. Um, and they just like they were. I think Grubby went back to Warcraft three. I think he did too. Yeah, he went back there because he was playing a little bit of Heroes of the Storm, I think. And then like he was like, "I'm the best Warcraft three player of all time. I'm just going to sit here and kind of rake in the the passive income, basically." Might as well. Um, but yeah, I I don't really see too many crossovers. We had Dota, um, we had Heroes of the Storm. Is yeah, some people went to League. Um, you know, not, just, not not many, not, not many, many. Went to League. No, yeah. None of them succeceded. No, no, none, none of them did. Yeah, no it's, it's 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 exclusively micro with one character, vice vice micro with a fucking army. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there the the transition from StarCraft to other games hasn't really been successful. The only people who've done it really well are those who went into the business side of esports and those who were streaming personalities and just took it on from there. Yeah, like, uh, like I know there's a couple noteworthy streaming personalities. Like, I think Dragon's one who still streams a lot. I know Winter's up there, but there's a lot of controversy with Winter. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> viewbotting and all that good stuff. So, I like watching Winter sometimes. Like, I mean, he 
plays random, so I mean, I can kind of respect that. But, I mean, the guy's good, but I mean, yeah, no, there's enough controversy around Wintered. So, it's kind of a sin that StarCraft, StarCraft streamers don't have more of a, more, more of a, like, a, a following, right? Like, because, I mean, you, like, it's really cool, too. Like, I don't know if any of our viewers have, like, our listeners have like ever watched Starcraft scene or uh, stream before, but a lot of them they'll, they'll run like two webcams. They'll run like one for the face and then one for their for the keyboard, yeah. and it's really cool to watch like their APM and shit like that. It's nuts. Yeah, I guess I don't have anything else to really add on that. Anything you guys want to touch on before we move to the next topic? James, I'm probably James being pro- a really good host took my question from me. Moving up <laughs> in the world. Yeah, uh, man. Just cross your fingers for more Starcraft news. Yeah, I'll be keeping my eye on this kid, man. This guy, see, this is this is interesting. I like this. Okay, James. So, what do you got for us? Well, we already know what you have for us, but tell us about uh, what you're talking about in League of Legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as uh, anybody who's been following the league scene right now may know, um, we just wrapped up with Rift Rivals. I think I think every region has since finished now. Um, I think it's. I think we're coming to completion. Um, there was a, there was a lot of cool ones. Uh, the big one I was paying attention to was OC Vietnam and Japan's. That one's always a fun one to watch. Um, they start, I think they're the first ones to start going. Um, OC one, which is really cool. But what I'm going to touch on today, as I usually do, because I don't like trying to deviate too much to the like the lesser known regions, is I'm going to talk about North America and Europe. Um, this year, Europe did win. Um, Rift Rivals, for anybody who doesn't know, is basically a um like a makeup of like a, a couple select regions basically go against each other to kind of see like which one kind of prevails um they're kind of like i don't know all the exact breakdowns but like i said prior um oce so australia japan and vietnam are in their own um north america and europe are in their own um korea china and taiwan are in their, on their own um and i don't know the other ones off the top of my head but um yeah touching on north america and uh, Europe, um, Europe ended up taking it, taking this out over us. Um, North America consisted of 100 thieves, Team Liquid, oh, excuse me, Team Liquid, and Echo Fox. Echo Fox, Echo Fox was the third one. Um, and Europe was Splice, G2, and Fnatic. Um, we saw a lot of problems kind of come from that. Um, uh, recently, with League of Legends, there's been a huge, huge meta shift, which has almost eliminated the need for an ADC player. Um, it's like their role has almost been like shifted to the mid laner um, in what's become a very popular strategy called a funnel strat. Uh, funnel strat is basically um, your jungler doesn't play a jungler anymore. Your jungler plays a support, goes to the mid lane with the, with the AD mid, I don't know what to call them at this point, um, shoves the lane, Go into the jungle, give all your jungle camps and all the gold to your mid laner, and then go back and then just rinse and repeat this whole time. Um, a lot of teams, especially North America, have had a hard time adapting to this. This isn't something like NA has been proven time and time again to be incredibly rigid. We're not good at adapting to new things. Um, where Europe just doesn't seem to give a fuck anymore, and they're like, yeah, you know what? I'll play Heimerdinger as an ADC. I don't give a shit. Um, I'll play new Aatrox immediately. I'll have no, I'll no issue with this or old Aatrox, whatever. Um, and then like adapting to like the new champions, like Pike and stuff like that. Um, Europe was very, very fluid. Um, another team like Fnatic has been very good at like recognizing, okay, our star player Reckless um, doesn't really have a spot right now because. There's no need for marksmen. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring in our sub top laner and run a squad like that, and that works. You do that in NA, and everybody's going to be like, "What the fuck?" Like, I mean, we've seen it with Cloud Nine, where basically they're running two mid laners right now. They're running uh, Golden Lou and Jensen um, for their starting lineup, and like everybody's up in arms. But in Europe, you're still seeing the same thing, but you see the logic they make, and like Fnatic is presenting it why it's happening. So this is what we kind of saw. We saw NA trying to do these funnel strats trying to pump pump resources into applicable uh, applicable players to make these strats work and we never and like it just didn't work out um and like a lot of people were just uncomfortable you could see they look generally comfortable i watched dardock and phoenix both die for a tower dive um on kindred and lulu now anybody who doesn't know kindred and lulu both have ultimates that both save you um and increase your health Resistances, all that good shit. They both died without even using them. It's almost like they forgot that what champions they were playing. So, and then, like, these champions aren't, like, ones that haven't been out of the meta in a while, but there's just, you can see the unfamiliarity. You can see the North Americans not being super okay with it. They want to go back to playing standard, which, I mean, there's been a huge, huge debate that I could rant on and on about, but I'm not going to do that because uh, I don't want to bore anybody. Yeah, <laughs> 
it, it like I mean, it's, it's, it'll chew up the whole hour, and that would be me nonstop talking. So I don't want to do that. So yeah, no, we kind of saw that happen. Um, I don't think there was anything too crazy as far as the other regions and stuff like that. I think Korea got edged out as well. I think China took it. I think, um, and then yeah, OCE from the other region. I'm not too sure how the like Slovakian countries did against each other. I always like trying to pay attention to that because you see you see some pretty nutty shit over there too. Um, but yeah. That's it's kind of a, like a, a rant slash wrap up of the North American uh, Europe rivalry. Andrew, since you're hosting, do you have any quick questions to ask? Well, it's not even exactly on that, but it's more about where Riot's kind of standing on this whole meta thing. So right now, the rest of the world kind of seems to be, I wouldn't say that thing's fine, but they're willing to adapt. And North yep. America is just kind of pissed off right now. A lot of pros are saying this isn't fun. I don't want to play this anymore. Like you've seen double lifts bitching about it and stuff kind of like that. But Riot yeah. seems to be going all in on this meta thing. And have you seen the new ad? I haven't seen the new ad, no. I've, I, I've seen it posted. I haven't actually had a chance to watch so it. So pretty now. much what it says is that it's just kind of a new, like, welcome players kind of ad. Like, just a general kind of introduction one. But it's mm -hmm. like, um, doesn't matter how you get to victory or something kind of like that. And they just showed, like, a really messed up comp and stuff kind of like that. So like, yeah, they're Riot's doubling down. kind of using it. A lot more people are talking about it and, like... Well, I mean, like, a big thing is, is, like, it comes down to, like, even bad publicity is even publicity, you know what I mean? Everybody's talking about League of Legends right now because you're seeing such this colossal shift. Um, Reckless recently did an interview basically saying, like, I understand that I don't have a place right now, like, because the, the champions I specialize at, Marksman, have no place. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be, I, he, he, according to his interview, he benched himself. He said, no put in uh, Blippo, uh, Blippo, who is the other top laner, um, and basically run him because he's more prevalent at these things than I am, and I will continue to practice my champion pool, so when that, if that comes back, I will be just as good, I won't be rusty, I won't be trying this new shit, we have a, a way to make this work. Um, so yeah, it seems to be almost exclusively North America that doesn't really know what to do. You still, uh, um, domestically, you still see the same kind of compositions um, being run, um, that being said, like guys like 100 Thieves, we did see like before the Meteo shit show that kind of happened. Uh, Meteos and Ryu both ran double um, double supports in the bot lane. They made it work, um, and they didn't look that uncomfortable. That was a big thing too. They did. They made it look like convincing, but it, like the, the, it really showed in this. Um, Riot, I don't think is going to back down from this. I don't think they're going to feel the. the the pressure from pro players they don't seem to be too concerned and why would they i mean like riot has so much fucking money it's ridiculous okay you're still like one of the big personalities doesn't want to play because he's pissed off because you know marksmen aren't a thing anymore or they aren't going to be for a little bit okay fuck it we're going to bring in another like we're going to bring in a bruiser player you know what i mean they're not going to be a top laner they're not going to be a mid laner they're going to be a bruiser player right so and this is what you might see you might not see guys who are dedicated to playing so much of a lane like we have seen in the past, you might see guys who specialize in champions specifically or champion types specifically. Support players are still going to be a thing. Mid laners you, you might see, but you might have your support mids. You might, like, I mean, we have seen it where some teams have run like, um, okay, I have an assassin mid player and I have a, um, a mage mid player. Um, can, you kind of see that, I think um, SKT tried to run that a while back with uh, with uh, Faker and Easy Hoon. Um, so it's like, I mean, it does, it's not uncommon. It does exist. So I think we might see more of a shift to that. Going to be interesting to see that. Cause I don't know. I don't know how long we're going to stay in this meta. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think Riot has the right to kind of like play around with this meta. Like don't back down instantly whenever the pro players say that. But at the yeah. same point though, like these unique metas are fun for a while, but I do think for eventually they do have to get it. And that if they push this unique meta for too long, that everyone might start getting sick of it, and it might start backfiring instead of being kind of a conversation topic. I mean, you say that, but mid laners have more variety than they ever have. Junglers have had junglers are playing a totally new role. Um, they're playing like the support jungler vice the like the smite jungler. Um, you have top laners having a fucking field day because they can play anything they want now, which has been super rare. Top laners have had haven't had a good meta in a hot minute. They've either been stuck on tanks or the last time I remember them being able to play bruisers was like three years ago. So I because one role is getting isolated and fucked over. This is this isn't a first time. One role has been getting fucked over each time. You know what I mean? There was a while there where you can only play tanks in the jungle. You can only play this and that. I mean, yeah. yes, the meta is going to shift because like that's the ebb and flow of League of Legends. That's kind of what happens. Um, it like I mean, yeah, it might stay around for a little bit, but I don't. I think 
the backlash is not as bad as people think because the you're seeing the vocal minority right now. I think that's a big thing you're seeing, as you kind of do with League of Legends all the time. Is just you always see the vocal minority where most players are like, "Fuck it, dude, I don't care, I don't care." Like I get to play Darius in the bottom lane. I get to play Darius Yasuo. I get to play the most edgy composition in the bottom lane, and nobody can say anything because it's because it works and it's meta. So I don't know. I think it, it, the big thing is too the biggest thing. Gold and silver, which is the primary population of League of Legends, doesn't give a fuck. They still play whatever the hell they want. And they still make it work. So, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I like it. I think this is good. I I, I like when the the meta is shifted a bunch, especially with League of Legends, because that's probably like my one biggest complaint with it is it always feels like um, really stale. Yeah. Um, but if you have like really interesting things, like oh yeah, we play like supports mid now because they're viable because they can do AP stuff. Or, yeah, we're doing this really weird thing in the jungle. I think it's a good thing. Like, yeah, like there's typically you're going to have the 1-1-2 the one, one, and then the 1 in the jungle. But if you're playing different characters in different spots, I think that's interesting. I think it's cool. I hope Riot isn't, like, uh, too heavy-handed on it. I hope they don't try to force a certain type of meta. Mm-hmm. I think they should make changes that make sense. And if there's a meta that comes out of it, that's the meta that comes out of it. I don't think they should be making changes to force a certain type of meta. Um, it really sucks that marksmen aren't super good, um, but like that's the ebb and flow of things. Um, yeah. And like, I, I think if you're you're a pro team, you gotta you know, you gotta roll with the punches. Make sure that you can field the team in this meta. And if you're a marksman player, like either learn how to uh, like adapt and pick up a uh, like a pocket character so whenever stuff like this happens you can kind of shift to that or just back. or or just you know hit hit the practice and keep trying yeah and like i mean that's just it you're seeing you're starting to see that adapt, like that teams recognizing what they need to do i mean like uh, me using fanatic as the example um with you know, with Reckless just being like, I'm just going to keep practicing Marksman because they're going to come back, right? And the thing is, too, and the thing that everybody seems to forget is Marksman are bad. They're not horrible right now. They just take longer to turn on. That's it. A, a, a late-game Marksman still pops the fuck off. Oh, oh wait, no, no, it was just my screensaver. Um, but, yeah, no. So, um, yeah, it'll, I, I, I don't, I like like you said, Dylan, I don't want to see them force this to make, because it's, you know, a big conversation piece. I do want to, and they've been pretty good about, like, okay, we're going to make changes that, for the most part, make sense, and we're going to adapt from there. Um, so, we'll see if that continues. I hope it does. And I guess I'm just always a little biased, because I am a marksman player. So, being pushed out of a meta is never fun. You play, me, you play Quinn. Quinn is not a marksman. No, I do not. Caitlyn is my marksman. She hasn't been in a meta for a year. So... It's been a year. It's been like a year since Caleb. Yeah, it doesn't stop Andrew, though. That feels yeah, it does. <laughs> No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. <laughs> Segway, moving on to mine. It is my turn to talk okay. about something for once. Even though it's not that big of a story, but I am bringing up Overwatch. And it's not talking about the playoffs, which start tomorrow. Holy shit. That's been such a long month. And I'm sure I will be going on about it for an hour next week. But today I want to touch about something that I really kind of admired that Overwatch did or just kind of Blizzard as a whole. And that was talking about the um, kind of breast cancer, Mercy skin, the pink Mercy skin, whatever you want to call it. That over two weeks of selling skins and shirts, I think is all they kind of did. They raised $12.7 million for Breast Cancer uh, Research Foundation, which I think is really just kind of cool. And, like, you see a lot of kind of the downsides and all that kind of stuff of like loot not loot boxes but even just cosmetics and just buying for things in games but you also see like this is an opportunity for 12 million dollars to go towards a really good cause a lot of people really like the skin i mean you had so many people doing fan art and all that kind of stuff a lot of people are kind of sharing stuff from overwatch kind of stuff like that so it's good for blizzard but also you can kind of see that a lot of people stepped up they really donated money people bought the skin just because i saw all these stories like on the Reddit forums and stuff kind of like that thing. You guys have no idea how much it means to me. Like, I bought this skin instantly because my mom had breast cancer. I don't even play Mercy. Or I haven't played Overwatch in a year, but I bought this skin to support the cause and stuff like that. So, I guess there's not too much of a talking point. I just think it's really, really cool how much they raised and how much they did in such a short span. And that these video game companies can do a lot of good for these foundations or just kind of good causes when they do try to go. So, I guess I just kind of want to give... Um, good job to blizzard and 
I just think it's really awesome. And yeah, and I, and I hope they do do this. <laughs> I mean, obviously don't want to do this for every single month. I mean, every month has some kind of awareness. But one or two skins like this a year is really cool. Gets the people excited, and it really helps everyone. I mean, it doesn't backfire, ideally. I mean, like, yeah, this is just, uh, I, I think we get a decent amount of these. We don't get a ton, but we do get a decent amount. Where there's, like, there's no negative takeaways from this. It's just a good thing to report on. Like, yeah. it's just a good thing to talk about, right? Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I would like to see other games doing it a little more. I don't think League's ever done, a, like, a you know, foundation or, like, a, like, a, what? Not as far as I know. I don't, like, I can't think of, I think there's been some that have donated to, like, some causes here or there, like, icons that have done it, but, like, as far as, like, directly going to, like, a specific foundation, I know the legality behind that is always kind of a little dicey as far as, like, if it lines up with the company and stuff like that. Like, there is some shifty shit that kind of goes on behind the scenes to make this stuff work, but it's good to see Blizzard is, like, making, like, a big deal and, like, being, hey, guys, we're doing it. I'm pretty sure Dota's done this kind of thing a couple times, haven't they? No? Probably. Probably. Like, like these companies should have. Like, it just yeah. seems like such kind of a dumbfounded thing, or just like such a brain dead thing to do. Yeah. Because I mean, sure, it costs you guys a little bit of money up front, but in the end, it does do nothing but kind of come back and just kind of help you in the end. So it, it's yeah, it's just it. It's just solid publicity, and it's a good cause, and it's 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 easy. It's really easy. I mean, you get your graphics team to do up a do up a new skin, and like I mean, I mean like. Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to shit on the skin, but it's not anything super, like, um, like graphically intense or anything like that. Like, it's a pretty it's a pretty generic Mercy skin, you know what I mean? Like, it's nice. It's nice and clean, right? I, I think the only issue, though, is, is, like, logistically, sometimes it's a little bit hard to work out. Yeah, I think logistics is the big thing that really, really stops this kind of stuff from happening, absolutely. But, I mean, this is perfect, because, like... It definitely feels like this skin was coming regardless, and they were just like, oh, Pink Mercy. Hmm, let's do this thing. Like, it just lines up really perfectly, so. Yeah, just makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, I guess I don't have really too much to add on this. Yeah, once again, good job. Other games, step it up, I guess. Step I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, or just find reasons to kind of bring it in or something kind of like that. Like, even if you don't do new skin, like, I mean... Things like this only brings better kind of a rep for video games. We have so many people blaming us for violence and stuff like that. But when you go and see how a video game in two weeks can raise $12 million for breast cancer, there's no way any news or anyone can really turn that in a bad way. So at the very least, it kind yeah. of just brings esports and video games to a much better front, which sadly we need a little bit here and there. But I guess I'll I don't think we... Yeah, I don't think we need as much as we did in the past, but no. I think uh, it's always good to have stuff like this. This is yeah. never this is never detrimental. But I'm going to hand it back off to you, James, for whatever you have over there cooking up. Yeah, so another kind of feel-good thing. Um, so recently, um, I believe, I don't know if there was a, a concrete uh, announcement date, um, but uh, Microsoft and the um, – Special Olympics Olympics have started to do, uh, team up for uh, an esports event. Um, they are going for the Special Olympics USA Games in Seattle for 2018, um, and esports has kind of like entered the fold for for the Special Olympics. This is uh, kind of like a, a near and dear thing to me, um, and I've never disclosed this to anybody, as well as like including my co-host. Um, but my 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 younger sister is special needs, so reading this really like made me quite happy because um, me and her have played like Warcraft together for years um, and to see them kind of being like okay like I mean there's no reason why you know this should be isolated from the Special Olympics why not incorporate this as well um, it, it was really it was really happy to see um, I mean like there's like we've seen throughout the years many many um, disabled players in one capacity or another either physical or um, some sort of uh, like I I mean, psychological, um, I guess, uh, disability, kind of um, make their way and make it happen. Um, there's a really, really well-known Street Fighter player who plays basically like exclusively with his uh, like mouth. Um, I've watched the dude. He's insane. It's ridiculous. And um, basically the article kind of touches on how um, how controller adaptivity has come, like, like leaps and bounds and stuff like that. Um, and as well, the game that's going to be focused on, and I think it's a good game because I think it's... Uh, pretty safe and pretty generic and you can't really go wrong with it is uh is forza they're going to be using forza 7 in the special olympics um so that's good that's good because i mean like you can't you no one's going to shit on you for picking a racing game you know what i mean like it's only like unless you want to do like a gta mod like 
Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's kind of the safest thing to take is to take. So um, yeah, no, that's that's kind of how they're gonna uh, set it up. It doesn't say how many how many people they're gonna have attending in it or anything like that. Um, but basically, that they will be introduced. Microsoft is introducing it into the uh, Special Olympics, which is good on kind of two fronts. Um, it's I think it's going to bring a lot of the esports community over to the Special Olympics to kind of view it because unfortunately, it is one of those things that doesn't get a ton of publicity. Just it, it's is one of those, very much one of those things that if you're aware of it and if you're affected by it, you do watch it. Um, but if you're not, it's just it's something else that's in the background. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me, um, but with um, esports kind of entering the market and stuff like that in this, you might start seeing players come over and stuff like that, and, or maybe people who didn't even know about it, you know. So I think that's a really good thing, and as well, it's another step for esports getting involved in with the Olympic community entirely, right? This is another. I think this is a kind of a stepping stone to start seeing esports as an Olympic sport as well. So yeah, no, I don't. I don't have too much to add besides it's great to see. Um, they're going to be. By the looks of it, they're, they've actually already unveiled the controller itself, which is like not a standard Xbox controller by any means. It's it's a flat pad, um, basically with like two large buttons and a directional pad. The directional part is, pad is surprisingly small, and the two like the two buttons are a pr- pretty decent size, um, as well as integrating like a mouthpiece, um, foot pedals, uh, mouth-operated joysticks. Um, and then like one that's also controlled by like breathing patterns like Microsoft did not did not fuck around with uh, making sure that they could for any any disability they could really incorporate it so that's oh, that's great I'm I'm stoked yeah, yeah. I remember oh sorry Johnny what do you want to say I was just gonna say uh, Microsoft did release I think that pad they released recently yeah um, yeah yeah so I think that's probably the same one that you're describing yeah, yeah. I think that, I don't. Oh, I like. I don't have a release date on when this was. Oh, in in May, in May. So it was. It was a pretty pretty recent unveiling. Yeah, and I, and I didn't remember if I I don't know if we talked about it, if I shared it, or just mentioned somewhere. I thought I had some kind of conversation with this, but yeah, I heard this kind of making the rounds, like in some of the other video game podcasts I listen to and stuff like that. So when I saw this, I mean, not only sure it's a really great chance for Microsoft to show off their controller and get in front of people. But again, like, it's not, I don't think this is a publicity stunt to show off their new controller. This is really Microsoft taking an effort the last couple years, again, really focusing on the gamer as a whole, and not just the mainstream, very stereotypical gamer. It is all gamers that they've been thinking about this last year, no matter what disabilities, no matter what their interests are, they've been getting more involved in esports and all that kind of stuff too, with mixers, streamers, like whether you're mentally or handi- uh, physically handicapped, whether you're just a stereotypical gamer, the streamer, they're really doing a great job of hitting every single type of gamer and doing whatever they can in their power to make sure that they can play and have the very best experience. And that's something that I really love seeing from Microsoft recently and really why my, like, kind of, uh, just my overall feeling, I can't think of the right word for them, is just kind of, I just love them so much more this last couple of years, really following gaming industry more rather than just the games. And they really do a lot for their gamers, and I love seeing that. So I don't have much else to add beyond that, but just... Again, another company doing really, really good shit. Yeah, no, like uh, it's just it. Like they, they, they didn't miss a demographic with this. So I think like it's just great to see. And I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a publicity thing by any means. I think this is just them being genuine, yeah. right? Like I mean, we've seen Microsoft has been making like a lot of good steps recently. Yeah, I love it. I love seeing it. But with that, let's kind of jump on to. I don't know if you want to say the big topic of the show, but it's kind of the biggest looking topic of the show but so Goldman Sachs um, put out a just kind of a big comprehensive report on the esports industry I'm kind of reading this from the esportsobserver.com they kind of have all this covered there and go check that out too um, written by Trent Murray but pretty much what they're saying is that right now in 2017 the annual revenue for esports was around 655 million and that they project by 2022 so four years from now it is going to grow 2.96 billion, five times the size of the current market. So first off, I mean, I, there's facts and all that kind of stuff to back it up. Do you think that's possible? Do you think the esports industry will grow times five? I mean, obviously, let's go back last year, so that each year it'll double in size. Do you believe that that's the thing? Mobile esports. <laughs> 
I'm just gonna say it's a huge market. Yeah. Yeah. I think that can really contribute to it. Yeah, I mean, this is this to me is something very much like uh, ebb and flowy because I mean like. Fortnite's huge right now, but fuck, is Battle Royale going to stay huge for the next five years? You know what I mean? Is it going to increase? What like you know? What else is going to come out of the scene? I think it's a pretty bold estimate for for something that's very unpredictable. I mean, we have seen a steady incline, but we've seen a steady incline because of certain things happening. You know what I mean? Certain things that aren't exactly traditional esports yet, and now they are becoming like Battle Royales and mobile esports as being the other one too, right? So I I I'm a little on the fence about this. I think it's a pretty bold fucking number. Um, you tell me, you tell me 1.5. You tell me one. Okay, okay, I'll see that. I think but... it's gonna be one by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. I can see that. So just think about it. I mean, Fortnite alone is offering. All, I mean, I know they don't count that into it, but Fortnite alone is willing to put up a hundred million dollars for. Esports that wasn't kind of revolving around last year at this time, and they almost hit seven hundred thousand last year. So I think with the Fortnite effect that is going on this year, where it's really hitting its peak, especially in terms of esports, it'll easily top that one billion this year. But I guess so. Let's kind of take. There's a couple reasons why they kind of believe that this is going to kind of happen. So I'll throw some numbers and just kind of some topics. So right now. Really, the majority of the money kind of coming into esports right now is going into just straight investments in a team. So just kind of venture capitalists investing in teams and growing those, and sponsorships. And yeah. really, the one that's missing where a lot of sports teams make a majority of their money is media rights. So we almost saw something like this, very similar to the NALCS. We talked about BAMTEC a couple weeks ago. That yeah. would have been the first time of that's really the first deal of that type of that large. I mean, that would have been $300 million. That would have been half of what esports did total last year would have been into that deal. Is how big that was. And now once these big deals start coming in is really where they believe. So right now, uh, media rights only account for 14% of traditional um, esports revenue, while in traditional sports, they account up to 68%. And you got to think of like how much larger a lot of those deals are for regular sports too. So that there's so much more money to really be brought there is like the number one reason that they're kind of saying that it's really going to be. I mean, do you buy that? I mean, obviously the Twitch deal was 90 million. I mean, do you see these big media companies starting to come in just throwing money at esports, and that makes a big difference or no? Don't go ahead. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, like, like money doesn't hurt. Money helps a lot, and like you can do really good things. See Overwatch League, but like I don't know, you could throw a bunch of money at it and have it a flop. See Two K League. Yeah, Two K League is doing all right. We talked about this in pre-show. Twenty K viewers on a regular basis, man. They're doing fine. I, I but I, I think the money If you do want the growth, then like yeah. injecting the money is what you need. You're not gonna like naturally get. A billion viewers off of like nothing. Like, yeah, those those are one in a million kind of shots. Um, but if you want to kind of push things along, you need to inject kind of money into it. Yeah, like I mean, like you're using like the Bamtech deal for example. That I think to me was a bit of inexperience on the esports community as a whole. You know what I mean? It was it was not well executed. There was a lot of backdoor shit um, that was moving into franchising that nobody really knew how to do the proper way um, i mean like i'm not saying that like the franchises that invested didn't know what they were doing because they're franchises already but i mean like the whole thing was kind of like it was like you know it was like trial by fire right bam tech deal was trial by fire and look what happened it dissolved into like nothing right like and that's 30 300 million dollars that just didn't happen right so um i I think I think people are probably gonna take the Bam Tech deal as kind of like a like a red flag and be like, is esports ready for like you know retarded amounts of money like but ridiculous? I, I, I think that was just Disney trying to. I mean, so the reason that all happened is because Disney bought Bam Tech and yeah, Disney yeah, owned yeah, yeah. ESPN, so they figured that, that I think that it just was an easier and cheaper way for Disney to do it. I don't think it had anything to do with. I mean, we don't know the whole story on that, which is the problem. We don't yeah, know if Disney true. was lazy. We don't know if esports wasn't performing. And I, I just, it could be a red flag on either side. I know what he could mean, but I, I don't think that. 
I mean, it's the same thing with like, uh, it's it's the same thing with teams like Immortals and stuff like that. We thought Immortals were a shoe in for franchising, and they had a ton of money backed into them. But like, look what happened. They got denied. You know what I mean? So like, people are gonna be more hesitant because of stuff like that, right? Immortals is a huge. It was a huge brand when it was in its infancy. Like that. Like people bought that shit up immediately, right? So, and it it didn't pay off nearly as well as everybody expected it to. Uh, and people lost money because of that, right? So I think like I, you might see this train not not come to a halt by any means, and not even like stop its speed, but I think it might slow down a little bit. Okay, and then of course they mentioned Fortnite and just how big of an impact yeah. that's kind of having. And I think we talked about a Fortnite really enough on the show. But what they say the number one reason that esports is going to have such a big jump, and they're really talking about this with being the Overwatch League and the 2K League are the two reasonings that they're kind of putting this behind. Which 2K I don't know League if that's where I want to be putting my money in esports right now. But yeah. Overwatch has c- confirmed that in the year 2020 that games are going to be geolocated. So that teams will be based in their cities and that yeah. the games will be played there. And they think it with the, and the 2K League is going to follow soon after. And they think that once these teams get into their actual markets, rather than all being based in L.A. like it is very similar now, that the markets will grow. I mean, you put a team in Chicago, you think how much money is there. Or you put the New York Excelsior actually into New York, where they already get so much love. Imagine if they could sell at the Barclays Center every single night or something like that. Or like there's a whole East Coast that really doesn't get any love for esports. And once they start spreading these teams out... Like, right now, the esports kind of just industries just kind of eating itself alive in L.A. because they're competing against the same people over and over again. Obviously, yeah. people are kind of different fans of different esports, but at the same time, all the games are in one place in the same couple arenas, and if you spread them out and let other people go, it's usually the same couple hundred thousand people going to every single esports event in N.A. Now you yeah. allow millions of people from across the nation and think of how big of a jump that is from a couple hundred thousand to even one million. That's ten times the amount of people, ideally, that can go because now it's geolocated and I can go 40 minutes to Milwaukee and watch a game instead of having to fly out to the West Coast to watch a game. Well, I mean, there's especially true with me, like guys like me and Dylan, man. Like, East Coast is fucking starved for this shit. We have the fighting team, like the fighting leagues, but that's really about all we have. And if that's not your cup of tea, then you're you're fucked, right? Like, I mean... That's that, that's kind of it. So yeah, geolocating will be a great thing. We've 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 talked about like uh, regional pride, like a huge, uh, like like you know we've kind of beat that uh, that horse to death, right? But like yeah, it, like you will see revenue come from that. I think that's almost a guarantee. It's a guarantee with anything. Like I mean, very few teams don't thrive in their environments. I mean, there is now there is some like debate, like uh you know the Florida Panthers and stuff like that. But I mean, like it's still a franchise. It's still there is still money being made. You know what I mean? And the nice part about esports is like they're like yes, it will, okay. One esports isn't going to hit one market in like a region, like in a specific region. Let's say uh, let's say Halifax for example. So um, Halifax, let's say CS:GO isn't a big deal, but League of Legends and Overwatch is. Boom. Okay. Cool. So like esports still collectively is working as a whole. Um, one t- one game isn't just doing as well as the others you know what i mean and if you put like again going back to franchise you put a franchise team that has a legal legends team an overwatch team csgo team a cod team the whole franchise is going to benefit because they have all these teams under them you know what i mean so you know, i think like if that kind of market or that kind of um that kind of pattern progresses that's where i think all that that ridiculous amount of money it could definitely thrive but we need to see that happen that needs to happen and just can't happen with the Overwatch League. We're not going to hit three billion dollars with just Overwatch. I don't think it's. I don't think it's happening. Yeah, and they're only projecting the Overwatch League to be making seven point six million dollars by twenty twenty, which yes is a lot of money, but there's still a lot of money elsewhere to be made. Yeah, and that's where I'm. That's where I'm really curious. But that's just like saying that the local revenue will grow by that much. So that just like from the in arena and all that kind of stuff. They're saying that it'll grow about 400% for just the in-house, like, apparel and tickets and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't account for sponsorship deals and all that kind of stuff, but... They're saying know, just locally that's how the, how, how the money will grow? Like Yeah, they think it's going to grow... That just in 20... By 2022, it's supposed to get up to $7.6 million in just ticket sales and local apparel, they believe. 
That's that's a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> I don't know about that one. But you gotta think that that's not just in the NA. That is from the Shanghai. Well, yeah. That is from London. Your uh, Korean teams, and you gotta start thinking that. Obviously, we're predicting the legal double in size by 2022. Yeah. I mean, if they're adding another four teams this year, and they keep adding four teams for a couple more years, I mean, I'm assuming there'll be at least 20, 24 teams by 2022. So it's easy to double the revenue if there's double the teams, if you think about it that way. Yeah, I mean, like, that's fair. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, yeah, I think isolating it to local sales is just, I don't know. Well, yeah, there's a lot of little. How, how, many, how many people in Shanghai are going to buy a Shanghai Dragons jersey? I mean, really? Dude. You know, you, you're going you're gonna to buy that and put that on fire. That's what's going to happen. Dylan, you can talk about your point. I want to bring something up. I'm sure I thought you had something to say about this. Uh, no, nothing big. I mean, I'm a little bit worried about uh, having it geolocated. Um, they're going to have to build some new arenas because I don't think uh, big arenas like Barclays is going to be suitable for esports. Yeah. Not quite yet. Um, so I think they're going to have to build some smaller areas. So like rent out an office building or something and turn it into like a small arena and yeah. be able to fit the same amount of people as they do like, um, um, like they do in LA or whatever. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about that on how they approach that, but I think that this is a step that needs to be taken for sure. Yeah. But James, mm-hmm. no one's going to buy a Shanghai Jersey. Bullshit. Do you know who the top two MVPs and fan votes are right now? Oh, fucking... Fearless g- g- and Gaguri. Yeah. And number five much. is Ado, who was a meme half the season. Like, I, they're yeah. still... I mean, and this is okay, 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 okay. the NA. The okay. North American fans still love Shanghai. People eat <sighs> Shanghai's shitty record a lot. No, they don't eat, they don't eat Shanghai, though. They eat Gaguri and Fearless, right? They, those are the two that are drawing the revenue. No, but it's like the Browns. The Browns got more popular when they sucked really bad. I, man, I guess so. I mean, like, like that's going into a decent amount of like sports analysis and like trends and stuff like that, right? So, uh, all right, I'll fuck it. I'll give you it. I'll give but that's it. only that's only twenty five percent of the fan vote. MVPs announced to, no, and it sounds like next week or something kind of like that. But um, it's I understand what you mean, and I mean I do think that Goldman Sachs just kind of as a whole that their number to grow by five in five years seems bold. I mean, yeah. I think we're going to get in the billions. I think by the end of this year, we're going to get oh, in the yeah. billions. But just growing at that big of a pace, I just feel like maybe partway through next year when we start hitting that 1.5 billion, we start hitting those growing pains again. Is my own yeah, problem. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to do that. We're going to do that little dip, right? Like, we're going to get that, right? And I, Until we... Go ahead. I have no doubt that within 10 years we'll blow past $3 billion, but in five years, I just think that's too quick with growing pains because, like Dylan's saying, all those geolocated teams, they need to find somewhere to play, and that's two years away for all these teams to find arenas to play in, and I'm sure a lot of those are going to have to be built still. So there's just going to yeah. be these growing pains that when they're growing, because, I mean, Overwatch League is on four days a week, so if a team's playing two days, that only leaves five other days for other leagues to be going on, so there's going to have to probably be multiple arenas in some cities for esports. Like, we're just going to hit that point where we're growing much faster than we can sustain, and we're going to take a step back, probably kind of mellow out, and then hopefully hit up again. That's yeah, like... I would guess. I mean, like, yeah, like, and then, but I mean, let's just say, like, we need to think that, like, yeah, you're going to get your esports arena, but, like, are, depending on who puts the money into it, are other teams going to be able, or other other games going to be able to be played at these esports arenas, too? That's the other thing, too, right? Like, I mean, you might have an overall, like, a London Spitfire exclusive arena, you know what I mean? Cool and well, it would be cool as fuck, but, like, I mean, like, <laughs> but, like, you, you, you're, unless they were affiliated with Cloud9, or unless they were affiliated with, like, the Spitfire, you're not playing there, you know what I mean? Um, like, or unless you're paying, like, a, like obscene amounts of money to rent it out, right? Yeah. So, 
I mean, again, I, I really, I really, really think that going uh, under this umbrella of franchising for a bunch of different games is a really smart idea. Because um, then you just have you have the Cloud Nine Arena, or you have this, you know, the London Arena and stuff like that. Then you, then fuck it, it's everybody's home turf at that point, right? And then you build up even more of that, like you know, the 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 regional pride, right? So. I don't know. I think we should. I think that's where we should see these shifts going. I think that would be the best thing. And then, then that number, fuck yeah, totally manageable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's how it should go because, like, I know it just makes sense a lot more that like you have these big giant teams spanning multiple games because that seems a lot more sustainable, especially yeah. to have like a like a local scene and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, I guess, yeah, I guess that's really the last kind of thing I want to really touch up on for Golden Sacks. I mean, is there any last points you want to touch on that? Anything you want to jump into from any of the earlier topics or anything just kind of in general we want to be brought up today? It's been a while since all three of us together, so if you got any beef, now's the time to kind of let it all out. Yeah, I, I have something. Uh, right. So I don't know if anyone caught CEO, uh, the fighting games tournament, um, but that's what, that was super hype. Go check out the VODs. Um, it's a tournament that they have inside a wrestling ring huh. oh i like that okay. has their own like intro that they do and everything they walk out to like music and stuff oh, that sounds fucking um it's fucking awesome so it was really good i will uh, definitely Infl- specifically infiltration had a really really good one. Oh, okay okay i like this okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna look this up <laughs> James I fucking, that's all you have to say i no, yeah no i fucking i fucking love infiltration so I'm, I'm excited. yeah i know right, we're good we're good boys but yeah, no, I got, I got nothing else though. I'm good. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's a pretty good first episode back. I mean, it took a while to get into it, but the boys are back. Hopefully, we'll all be back next week and have a couple more kind of going up. But James, are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. I'm thank ready you, to go. Hang on. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Project Esports Podcast. Uh, don't forget to subscribe or follow to us, guys. Uh, share, a like, a retweet, anything. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. And we go live every Monday and Thursday at 7.30 p.m. EST. Um, and then the following day, we have all the VODs go up. Um, and we're really pushing for Twitch affiliate right now. We're, we're getting there. We're at 36 out of 50 right now. Uh, so if you're part of the last 14 to join, we're going to give you a shout-out at the end of every single episode leading up into that 50 uh, so, so far, we have um, at Snacks, at Cassinialia, at the Van Hammer, at Better Underscore Esports, at Xenos King, at Learning Bill. Um, go on Twitter, like just like retweet something of ours, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter, quote tweet us, share it out to your friends. So, hopefully, we can get that 50. All right, guys. Oh, uh, oh, oh, all right. Yeah, go, go, yeah. Go. I was so good. I was on. Okay, guys, with that, I'm James. And Dylan. And I'm Andrew. Thank you very much for tuning in to our train wreck of a podcast each and every week. We love having you here. This is the Project Esports Podcast. We will see you all on Thursday.